All right, Krishna, everyone, this is Achuta Bhava, and today for Bhakti Wednesday, I'm going to share with you a story about uh, Krishna and his mother. This is one of my favorite Bhakti stories of all time, and like all good Bhakti stories, it also illustrates and teaches us really important things about um, cultivating that relationship with God or with our divine source. Um, of course, God has innumerable names, so in the Krishna Bhakti tradition, we talk about Krishna as God. But there's so many names that God takes. I was, I often, when, as a kid, used to wonder what people called God or if God had a name other than Jesus, for example, which I grew up with as God. Uh, God, Jesus was the son of God, so it was a name of God. And I always wondered if there were different Jesuses on other planets, you know, and if there were other people, um, other names for God on different planets all over the universe. And, and, I was so delighted to find in the bhakti yoga tradition that actually this is explicitly mentioned that God has innumerable names and shows up in different avatar forms all over the universe and different planetary systems and stuff like that. I was like, that's just really cool because I had a feeling about that when I was like seven, you know? <laughs> so at any rate, in this story and in bhakti in general, remember the, if you had to summarize bhakti, what is bhakti, right? It's that the goal of life is love, love of God the sharing communion between the soul and God, who is the innermost self of ourself, and also being able to see God in all things and all beings and to stay connected to all things and all beings in love and the practice of love. So bhakti is something that we cultivate through devotional practices that are meant to put us in the position to receive the grace of God and the mercy of God and the love of God in our hearts and to build affection for things. You know, it's not very difficult if you think about it. If you have a, a dog, for example, we're getting a, a new puppy next month, which we're really excited about. Um, our, we had two dogs and one passed away some years ago. And so now we're decided to get another dog at last. And I know our, our dog, Rhea, is going to be so excited because she'll have a playmate again. At any rate, um, so if you have a dog and you spend some time with the dog, you know that what starts happening, you build affection for the dog, the dog builds affection for you, and suddenly you're attached to one another. And in our culture, we spend a lot of time talking about why this is a bad thing, why dependence and attachment are bad. And certainly codependence, addiction, uh, unhealthy forms of dependency are everywhere around us. And so it becomes very easy to start preaching a gospel of self-reliance. Self-reliance, independence, autonomy, sovereignty, agency, personal dignity, personal identity, none of which are bad, all of which exist, all of which are important. But in bhakti, the ultimate thing that you do with agency, the ultimate thing that you do with sovereignty or your will or the ultimate thing that you do when it comes to your identity is to understand yourself as a lover and a soul, a lover, a cosmic lover and a soul sojourning, looking for love and using its will to love and be loved, to use all of its individual and independent qualities and attributes to give in love to others and to God. So that's something that we're trying to cultivate in, in and through the practices of bhakti. And so dependence and attachment is built through affection. And, and then um, 
the idea is well, same thing with the dog is to, to develop that kind of attachment and affection with God. And there's an interesting teaching in Bhakti that we say that the more that the soul, the devotee of the Lord is kind of a jargony phrase, but the devotee of the Lord, when, when a devotee, when someone who loves God and is cultivating this attachment and affection to God, you're taking your, your God dog out for a walk every day, <laughs> you know, I guess my mind, God spelled backwards as dog, right? So you're, when you're taking a, um, when you're taking that approach and developing and cultivating that relationship every single day, actually what happens is God starts saying, you know, I'm the uncatchable. Uh, you can't, you can't comprehend me with your mind. You can't catch me with a trick. There's no ritual you can do that will command my, that I do something for you. I am completely the most free agent of all agents, right? I am the most powerful. There's nothing you can do that will make me do anything except one thing. If you love me, then some, suddenly I become dependent upon you just as you are dependent upon me. I become even submissive to you just as you are being submissive to me. And this is actually the definition of the healthy kind of attachment and the healthy kind of divine love. It's not something we get right away. That's very high level stuff that takes you know a long time to cultivate. But if you look at the lives of saints in bhakti traditions, and I say bhakti traditions is a kind of universal thing that people who have really cultivated this deep relationship with the indwelling self, with the source, with the divine being uh, that goes by so many names, in our tradition, Krishna, that there's a way in which those people are pouring everything into God with so much affection. And yet it looks almost like God is doing the same thing to them. They, they, they seem like they're being filled up by God just as much as they're pouring themselves into God. It doesn't feel like there is a 20,000 foot towering God that they're venerating in some vast space above them. It feels like there's an intimacy and a communion going on. So collapsing that distance between the almighty and the soul, that's something you, there's nothing you can do to capture the almighty, ironically, other than pouring devotion and love and tenderness and affection in your, in through your practice, so to speak, of, of love. And when you do that, all of a sudden God's like, Hey, I'm a, you're surrendered to me. I'm surrendered to you. And then it's this playful competition, this playful game of reciprocal love and submission and surrender to one another. This is a story about that it comes from one of my favorite books, Krishna. This is the Krishna book from the uh, Bhakti tradition. It's translated by AC Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada. But these stories are in the Srimad Bhagavatam, which has been translated variously by different people. And uh, this chapter is called Mother Yashoda Binding Lord Krishna. Once upon a time, seeing that her maidservant was engaged in different household duties, Mother Yashoda personally took charge of churning butter. And while she churned butter, she sang the childhood pastimes of Krishna and enjoyed thinking of her son. The end of her sari was tightly wrapped while she churned, and on account of her intense love for her son, 
milk automatically dripped from her breasts, which moved as she labored very hard, churning with two hands. The bangles and bracelets on her hands tinkled as they touched each other and her earrings and breasts shook. There were drops of perspiration on her face and the flower garland which was on her head scattered here and there. Before this picturesque sight, Lord Krishna appeared as a child. He felt hungry and out of love for his mother, he wanted her to stop churning. He indicated that her first business was to let him feed and then churn butter later. Mother Yashoda took her son on her lap and pushed the nipples of her breast into his mouth. And while Krishna was sucking the milk, she was smiling, enjoying the beauty of her child's face. Suddenly, the milk which was on the oven began to boil over. Just to stop the milk from spilling, Mother Yashoda at once put Krishna aside and went to the oven. Left in that state by his mother, Krishna became very angry, and his lips and eyes became red in rage. He pressed his teeth and lips, and taking up a piece of stone, he immediately broke the butter pot. He took butter out of it, and with false tears in his eyes, he began to eat the butter in a secluded place. <laughs> in the meantime, Mother Yashoda returned to the churning place after setting the overflowing milk, milk pan in order. She saw the broken pot in which the churning yogurt was kept. Since she could not find her boy, she concluded that the pot, broken pot was his work. She began to smile as she thought that child is very clever. After breaking the pot, he's left this place fearing punishment. After she sought all over, she found a big wooden grinding mortar, which was kept upside down, and she found her son sitting on it. He was taking butter, which was hanging from the ceiling on a swing, and he was feeding it to the monkeys. She saw Krishna looking this way and that way in fear of her because he was conscious of his naughty behavior. After seeing her son so engaged, she silently, very silently, approached him from behind. Krishna, however, quickly saw her coming at him with a stick in her hand, and immediately he got down from the grinding mortar and began to flee in fear. Mother Yashoda chased him to all corners, trying to capture the supreme personality of Godhead, who is never approached even by the meditations of great yogis. In other words, the supreme personality of Godhead, Krishna, who's never caught by yogis or mental speculators, was playing just like a little child for a great devotee like Mother Yashoda. Mother Yashoda, however, could not easily catch the fast-running child because of her thin waist and heavy body. She tried to follow him as fast as possible. Her hair was loosened and the flower in her hair fell to the ground. Although she was tired, she somehow reached her naughty child and captured him. When he was caught, Krishna was almost on the point of crying. He smeared his hands over his eyes, which were anointed with black eye cosmetics. The child saw his mother's face while she stood over him and his eyes became restless from fear. Mother Yashoda could understand that Krishna was unnecessarily afraid. And for his benefit, she wanted to allay his fears. Being the topmost well-wisher of her child, Mother Yashoda began to think, if the child is too fearful of me, I don't know what will happen to him. Mother Yashoda then threw away her stick. In order to punish him, she thought to bind his hands with some ropes. She did not know it, but it was actually impossible for her to bind the hands of God. Mother Yashoda was thinking that Krishna was her tiny child. She did not know that the child had no limitations. There is no inside or outside of him, no beginning or end, 
He is unlimited and all-pervading. Indeed, Krishna is the entire cosmic manifestation. Still, Mother Yashoda was thinking of Krishna as her child. Although Krishna is beyond the reach of all senses, she endeavored to bind him up to a wooden grinding mortar. But when she tried to bind him, she found that the rope she was using was too short by two inches. She gathered more ropes from the house and added to it, but at the end, she found the same shortage. In this way, she connected all the ropes available at home, but when the final knot was added, she saw that it was still two inches short. Mother Yashoda was smiling, but she was astonished. How is this happening? In attempting to bind her son, she became tired. She was perspiring and the garland on her head fell down. Then Lord Krishna appreciated the hard labor of his mother and being compassionate upon her, he agreed to be bound up by the ropes. Krishna playing as a human child in the house of Mother Yashoda was performing his own glorious pastime. Of course, no one can control God. The pure devotee surrenders himself unto the lotus feet of God who may either protect or vanquish the devotee. But for his part, the devotee never forgets his own position of surrender. Similarly, the Lord also feels transcendental pleasure by submitting himself to the protection of the devotee. This was exemplified by Krishna's surrender unto his mother. So I, these are some of the most beautiful teachings that come out of the Srimad Bhagavatam. And these are some of the most sacred, beautiful stories about Krishna. Um, and if I had to comment, not that I can say more than the story says for itself, but one of the things that I've noticed, of course, uh, you know, two girls in, in our family here and, you know, watching my, my uh, wife breastfeed over the years and so forth, watching the tenderness of that connection and watching really, you know, children get, you know, can get really angry if they're not, if mom isn't going to breastfeed them or takes a break from breastfeeding or takes the breast away while they're feeding, or even sometimes if they're falling asleep, they will wake right back up, you know, if, if the breast is taken away and we're in a sense, um, although we are like this with God, although we are ultimately the dependents in the situation, uh, we are little sparks, little souls, you know, traveling in this awesome universe. And we're dependent upon the source of all life beats our hearts that, that gives us life. And we can't name that or get down to that, but we're really like that. But here in this story, God is like that. Isn't that amazing that God needs us as much as we need God, that there's a sense of that in another sense, God doesn't need us at all. But when we enter into a relationship with God that is rooted in love, then it turns out that God needs us as much as we need God, that there's a, there's a, a sacred dependency that's formed and that God gets angry, get a little pissed off. If we take our affection or attention in another direction, like, Hey, um, what are you doing? You know, I thought we, I thought we had a thing here. <laughs> like, wasn't that beautiful? That's so beautiful. I just absolutely love that. And maybe it's because I'm a cancer. I don't know. But um, second point is then mother, you showed a, he gets mad. And so he breaks something. Well, I'm, I'll show you if you take your attention away from me. <laughs> and mother, you showed us like, Hey, look, I had some other sacred duties I had to do here around the house. What do you think you're doing? Breaking, you know, breaking things just because I'm taking my attention away from you. She's mad. And Krishna, this is God, gets afraid. 
what? That's so beautiful. It's even just, just to think about that. And I, I can't even fully understand it, but just to think about it. And then uh, there's a sense in which um, Mother Yashoda says, well, I don't want to, I'm scaring him now. And this is God like legitimately feeling afraid, not just pretending. And the, actually the verses in scripture tell us that God's not just pretending here. This is a transcendental kind of fear that's in the heart of this love between his mother and him. And God has a mom, isn't that? That's so amazing. Think about that for a second. So, and then, um, and then, well, what do I do to punish him? Because he's, that was really crappy what he did. <laughs> what God did. And then, and then mother, you showed it, tries to bind him, tries to tie him up, but the, she can't, she can't circumscribe God. She can't limit God. She can't, can't actually punish God. But Krishna wants to be submitted to those that love him. And so finally he's like, all right, you can, you can tie me up because you love me. And that ties me up. That just ties me right up. I'll, I'll let you do it. These are the little, these are the little nuances that Bhakti is trying to help us understand. We get like reflections, dim reflections of this. They become so much more bright and vivid. Uh, we can see love in all of its different valences and disguises, and we can we can see God's love in creation. Um, if we're in a practice of connecting with God in our hearts every day, whatever that practice looks like, you know, prayer. For us, you know, in the in the Krishna Bhakti tradition, it's mantra meditation, chanting the names of Krishna. If you want to take up something like that, there's a previous video in one of my playlists called Easy Practices of Surrender, Mantra Meditation. You can check that out if you need a mantra meditation practice to get started with. At any rate, I hope that this story was entertaining for you. And hopefully this, like I said, last week, we talked about why God loves stories. Go back and watch that one if you haven't yet. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed this beautiful story about uh, God and his mom. All right. Take it easy, everyone. Hare Krishna.